Well, good morning again, everybody. I mean, I just, uh, this quarterly all uh, ages worship gathering is super special to all of us. It's, um, there's something really tender about being all in here together and having our kids in here and, and having different folks and different generations up front, right? It just reminds us of what a sweet fellowship this is. Hey, if you're newer, newer, by the way, welcome to our church. We'd love to get to know you. I, I think you sense uh, a sense of family in this room, don't you? And we'd love to have you be a part of that. So we'd love to meet you. And um, afterward, we'll remind you about how you can begin the process of getting to know us and us getting to know you. Um, I'm going to speak for just a few minutes this morning because um, we don't want to miss, again, modeling to the kids that we're going to open the scriptures and we're going to come to him, but also um, because they're doing great with their activities and all that. And so, by the way, if you've got a squirrely one near you, don't worry about it, right? Don't, no, do not give it another thought. We plan that on purpose to have you guys all in the room together. Something really sweet about seeing your kids watch you worship or seeing somebody else's kids engage with the body. So really fun. Um, this week I was, I was uh, with a friend, my spiritual director and I actually go bike riding together. And so we were meeting and we were talking and I had one of those experiences where a dude in a truck drove by and I don't know what we did, but he did not like the spandex apparently. And, um, <laughs> and it got full abuse out the window, like the whole thing, like his mirror came really close to me. And I thought, whoa, like, what is that all about? And my friend, who's a spiritual director, um, he reacted in anger to the guy. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he said, you know, I'm finding myself, the older I get, realizing that I'm angry. Uh, and it's coming out. And I said, what? What's that about? Turning the tables on my spiritual director, let me ask you, what is that about? What's the anger about? And he said, it's really simple. He said, I don't love the way the world's going and all the bad and hard things that are happening and what happens to us and to my people and to me, he's like, it's hard. And then he said, you know what it is? I've made this world my home and it's not living up to that. There was a phrase in Christianity a long time ago that kind of got, it was very Christian ease and it was this phrase or bumper sticker or meme even before memes were a meme there was this thing that said, you know, this world is not my home. And it sort of went out of fashion to say that, and, and probably for good reason, because what was happening, of course, is that Christians were falling into the pattern of going, I don't care about this world. I don't care about justice. I don't care about the, the institutional issues and brokenness in our society, because this world's not my home. So I'm not going to do anything about it. And that is the wrong response to that. You with me on that? But we're missing that there's this biblical concept where it came from, that if we're wanting this world to be our place of life and life at its fullest, it will, the world itself will not deliver. We preach that Jesus delivers that. And one day we'll deliver it in its fullness. But this world really isn't our home. And that concept leads me to our, all of our Hall of Famers in uh, Hebrews 11 in this series that we're doing. It leads us to that and, and specifically to, uh, to Joseph. Just as a quick review, look at Hebrews 1 again, 11.1, uh, verse 1, beginning of our text. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Remember this? Now, faith is about, like, right? This faith in action is going, okay, God's real, and he's here, and his story is what we're about, and even though we don't see it fully yet, this is how I'm gonna live, that God's in the midst of this. And then it says, this is what the ancients were commended for, this faith, this way of living, 
like God is going to come through, that God is in the story, that God is real, and there's some angle there that we're going to see that then this world isn't our home. You jump down to the middle of the chapter, these verses have been addressed a couple of times in some of our sermons, but in, in, uh, in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 11 and following, remember this section right after the section about Abraham? All these people were still living by faith when they died, and they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Now look at, don't miss this part, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. This wasn't just about them being foreigners and strangers in a land. This wasn't just about them living by faith in the land. There was something now, there's something in this text that's saying there's, there's, there's a way beyond that we're looking for as well. Verse 14, people who say such things, they're looking for a country of their own. Verse 15, next passage. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Remember, we're talking about Abraham and moving through the land and Isaac going to the land God promised. They weren't thinking about their old country. They would have been able to go back, but they're actually longing for a better country, a heavenly one, a heavenly one. This wasn't just about the promised land. This wasn't just about the land that God was going to lead them to. There was a, a future future involved. Every time you read the Old Testament, by the way, you guys, there's a future, and then there's a future future, and sometimes there's a future future future. So the future was God's going to meet me right now while I'm wandering. The future future was and one day we're going to be in this land where we're going to be God's people and the hope of the world's going to come through being God's people. But the future, future, future is, and one day there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and all things will be restored. And there's always a longing for all of it. God, meet us now. God, meet us in this, what you're wanting to build as the people of God. And then that's life on this side of heaven. And then meet us in the restoration when all things will be new, right? And so these people were living by faith. They hadn't seen it yet, but they were ready for a heavenly city. They were ready for what God was going to prepare in the future, future, future for them. And that's what faith is about. God, I believe you're with me here. I believe you're going to be with us in what we're doing here. This promised land for them, it was Palestine and Canaan. For us, it's God creating a church and a community and a ministry where Jesus inhabits it, but then the ultimate fulfillment, right, is, but this world isn't mine. It's not my home. We're going to be elsewhere one day. And so all of that is involved in this. And so now we turn to jo Joseph, our hero of the day. Joseph, in Hebrews eleven twenty two, the verse that, that, uh, that we come to in the passage Look at now with Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt, and he gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. This is the weird, again, it's so weird. You're like, out of all of jo Joseph's story, this is what we get, that he was at the end going to talk about the exodus and talk about the burial of his bones. Very like, much like the Jacob passage before, all of a sudden we're talking about his whole story and all the ways in which he lived out his faith and all the ways in which he encountered God. This is, we're getting this commendation. Hebrews is like, let me tell you something about Joseph. Joseph, at the end, was looking for God's deliverance. And he was saying, don't, don't bury me in this land of Egypt. He was the man in Egypt. He became Pharaoh's second in command. But he goes, that's not my home. Take my bones to the future. Take my bones to the promised land. You with me? He was not banking on what he had built right there because the world was not what he was looking for. It's not his home. 
Look at Genesis 50, where the, um, the, this is where the Hebrews passage is referring to. This is the passage in context at the end of Joseph's life. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now stop there. Each time we go, like Jacob last week, Jacob was, well, he was about to die, and he's like, I want to pass on the legacy. God's promises are going to be fulfilled. We've got a future, and it's the promised land. So I'm about to die. I want to make sure that you know that God's going to come through. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, surely God will come, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. Do you see what we're looking at here? Out of all the stories, out of all of the, the, what Joseph went through, this is what Hebrews is, is, is commending him for. This is what Genesis is saying about Joseph's life. Why? Because he knew this wasn't his home. Egypt was not his home. This wasn't his home, and even the world wasn't his home, and he was looking for God's heavenly solution, and that anchored him, ready, in how to live by faith in this world. And that's the word for us today in this story. Because he knew this wasn't his place. Egypt wasn't his place. In fact, Palestine wasn't his place. The world wasn't his place. It anchored him knowing that and then how to live by faith and walking with God while he was in the world. And he wanted to pass on that legacy Yeah, I think that is amazing. His faith and belief was rooted in God's story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and that they would be a blessing to the whole world. He didn't know about Jesus yet or any of that, but he knew in his heart that he was from another place. And so he lived like that. So Joseph's faith in action, this is what Joseph's faith in action is about. First, I've said it a few times already, his, this world is not my home. This world is not my home. Here's the implication. If we think that this is it, if we think that this world is it, or if we think Egypt is it, so to speak, he was living in Egypt, and you're like, wait, where, why was Joseph in Egypt? I know. Well, I'm going to tell a little bit of his story in just a second before I'm done, but we'll read it together in the reading plan this week, okay? So I want you to join, if you haven't jumped on the app and, and gotten on the reading plan, we'd love to have you be a part of that with us, and, and be courageous and jump in and comment too, by the way, even if it's short. Some of you, I know you're like, man, this is awesome. These people are so articulate and so spiritual, and they write so well, and so you don't want to jump in, go ahead and write a one word like, yes, please, or thank you, Jesus, or um, I have this question in one sentence, like, just feel free if you want to, but most people are pretty content to just read all the cool comments, and so it's really fun to be a part of it, but we'll look at Joseph's story more, but this world is not my own. The implication is Egypt isn't where he was supposed to be, and ultimately Canaan isn't where the promised land was not where he was supposed to be, and if we think, this is the implication for us, following Joseph. If we think this is it, if we think this is it, if we think this world and what it offers is it, if we think this level of what we're experiencing, if we think this, what we're trying, the comfort we're trying to get, the peace we're trying to get, the blessing that we're trying to get, if we think it's from this, then we're not living the life of faith in the kingdom of God that is so much bigger than what this world offers. Is my friend's insight so great? What's the deal with my anger? Oh, I've made this world my home. And it's not living up to that. That's what Joseph's story is all about. So uh, this world is not his home. And then so in the meantime, while we're living in this world then, 
Here's what Joseph lived out. God is working it out. Now, this is all through Joseph's story. This world's not my home. But in the meantime, since I'm living here, God is working out all of this stuff that I'm going to have to go through. That is crazy because when you look at Joseph's story, and let's look at Joseph's story for a quick second. Let me just tell the story. It was no bueno. Like this guy went through some stuff. Hello, anybody here been through some stuff? And some of us are carrying the deepest pain that human beings can know. The loss of someone we love. Loss of a sense of stability in our emotional or our mental health. The fears of the future. I mean, you know, we've, we've all, you, you know why? Because this, this world's not our home. But in the meantime, Joseph, he saw some amazing things go down. But his life was very hard. Spoiler alert, there's a lot of tragic things in, that are going to happen to him in this broken, messed up world where people intend things for evil against us. People make mistakes that impact us. We make mistakes that impact us. We are not living where in, on the side of the kingdom of God where all things are yet restored. You go through Joseph's story, we'll look at it this week. He was thrown into a pit by his brothers. His brothers hated him from the beginning because he was his dad's favorite. And uh, boy, all kind of family drama going on there. Have we not read some family drama so far in this reading plan? Um, we, we were agreeing that we think shenanigans is a great word, like a lot of stuff going on. And so Joseph... Uh, his brothers hated him. They took an opportunity. They decided to throw him in a pit and kill him. And then they're like, that's probably not a good idea. We can probably get some money for him. And so they, they trafficked him and they sold him into slavery. Now, you, you may know that story from Sunday school. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't see it on a flannel board with a cute little cartoon figure. Like, I think that's human trafficking. This is a brutal story. And he got those slave traders, took him to Egypt and sold him to some people in Egypt, so he became a slave. This is what his family did to him. And so then, he actually, God, because God is with him, God started bringing blessing in the role that he was in in Potiphar's house, and he was running Potiphar's house, and then he was falsely accused. And you, if you don't know that story, you can read it, but with the kids in the room, we don't need to tell that in a really uh, graphic way but it is a terrible story where he was falsely accused and lost everything and was thrown into prison. And so then in prison, God was with him and blessed him and gave him the interpretation of some dreams for these guys that were in prison with him. And when one of those guys got out of prison, he was, he, uh, Joseph's like, so this is the dream. So remember me when you get out of here. So I'll get out of prison. Go tell Pharaoh when you get back into Pharaoh's good graces that I'm falsely accused and remember me and tell the story and that dude forgot him and let him rot in jail. So this is not a good story. And as it goes on, you realize then some things started happening again and God kept showing up again. You guys, the point of this whole deal is that, that, that all of a sudden God began to, not all of a sudden, that even in the midst of it, God was working it out. That's my point of this. Joseph's faith being lived out was this world's not my home, but in the meantime, God is working it out. And the whole story ends up crazy that there's a famine in the land. Joseph does get out of prison. He becomes Pharaoh's second in command. He's running Egypt. His family comes to get help because of the famine. He's able to feed his family and deliver them so that the 
because they were going to die in Canaan in the famine and God's line was going to end and all God's promises were going to end. And God was like, yeah, but no. And they came down and they got food from Joseph and the whole story happens. And eventually Joseph reveals himself to his brothers because they didn't get, he, he spoke Egyptian. He had a, a costume on. They didn't know it was him. We'll read this this week, but then look at this. This is until finally, this is what happens when he reveals himself. Genesis 45, look at this text. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had come close, then when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Now, wait a minute. Listen, listen to all the things that happened, all the tragedies that happened in his life, all the bad things that were happening, all the evil that was done to him. But Joseph's narrative was, this isn't my home, so I'm not expecting it to be awesome. (laughs) And all my meaning is not going to come from it. And secondly, in the meantime, while I do live here, God's going to be working it out. You with me? And this is what his attitude was. Then he tells his brothers, yo, you who trafficked me? Do not be distressed because God worked it out. It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And next couple of verses there, verse six, for two years now, there's been famine in the land. And for the next five, there'll be no plowing or reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve. Look at this for you, a remnant on earth. This is God's big plan to bring the savior to the world through God's people. And God has sent me to preserve a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And then verse eight, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. We said Joseph's faith in action was this world is not my home. And meanwhile, God's gonna be working out all the junk that goes on here to me and around me and in my story. Do you, church, know that that is still true for you and for me? And he framed that narrative not in making a gesture at an evil person who went by him in a truck. He framed that narrative to say, yeah, this place is rough but God is going to work it out while I'm still here. But this isn't my home. And God's going to meet me in it. It all culminates in uh, Genesis 50 with this famous phrase that we know so well, you intended to harm me. Maybe you know the old King James. It's been quoted a million times in American culture. You intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then he says to his brothers, so don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. You guys, we can interact a little bit of this toward the end of the week in our reading plan together. But this is what the New Testament teaches. Romans 8 is a very famous verse. I know it's a stark word to those of us that are in the midst of struggling or who have suffered unimaginable tragedy and grief. But Jesus, uh, but Paul wrote, And to the Romans, we know in all things, in all of it, in all things, no matter what happens in this world that's not our home, God is going to work it out. He's going to work it out for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do not 
Do not read into that what it doesn't say. It doesn't say God brought that stuff and didn't care that you've suffered that pain. God's saying, no, the world's set up in a way to be broke, that, that people have free will, and because of that, it's broken, and because of that, people will intend evil to come, but God will work it out. This is the hope that we have. This is faith in action, that he'll take whatever comes our way and he'll walk us through it. All right, I gotta wrap up. Look at one outcome, though, we can't miss on this. We can't miss this. One outcome of seismic proportions in this story is that because of Joseph's narrative, he could forgive his enemies. Whoa. He wasn't blaming the world. He wasn't blaming the people. He wasn't blaming his brother. He's just, his brothers. He got to a place where he's like, yep, this is a mess, and God's gonna work it out. I'm very aware of the tender place that might strike you in your heart this morning. It struck me in a very tender place around some forgiveness work I need to do in my story. So I don't say it lightly, but it is good news. So we follow in Joseph's example. This is what we get, applying what we learn from Joseph. Here it is, you guys. One, God's ultimate plan will not be thwarted. God's ultimate plan will not be thwarted. God's plan is this, to be your God and to be with you and to give you life at its fullest here on earth and then one day to prepare a place for you and to bring you to an eternal restoration where there's no more tears and, and, and God's kingdom comes in its fullness. That is God's plan and nothing will get in the way of that. So no matter what tragedy we experience, no matter what grief comes to our hearts, no matter what enemies come against us, God's ultimate plan of being your God and being with you and giving you life at its fullest in the midst of your life now and one day taking you to be with him forever will not be thwarted. Good news? That is a frame we have to have because in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our enemies, in the midst of the guy screaming at us in the truck, we lose that framework, right? So what we take from him is that uh, plan will never be thwarted. Second, and God will use what comes our way. Oh, I want to preach on this so much more. I want to talk about this. He may be orchestrating some of these things. He may have given the freedom for evil people to orchestrate some of these things. He may allow some stuff that otherwise he would kind of protect you from. I don't know how it works. We talk about this all the time because there's no easy answer to this, but the truth of the matter is that God will use it for his glory and for our good, even if it was intended for evil. And even if evil manifests itself and comes out into our story, God will still use it for our good. That's what Joseph's life teaches us. This isn't my home, but God's gonna work it out. And last, this is what we learn from Joseph. And band, you guys come out, would you? Because I wanna worship. The last part, we, so we can forgive. Wow, that's a twist in the story, isn't it? It's a twist in the story. It's so easy, not so easy. The easier message is like, be comforted, be encouraged. God's gonna work it out for your good. God's gonna be present with you. You can't thwart God's plan. But the Joseph story ends up with him forgiving his brothers. Now remember, forgiveness, you guys, is recognizing that God's got us. It's releasing that sin, releasing the evil, releasing the person into God's hands. It's not being like, it's fine you did that to me. It's okay that that happened. No, it's not okay 
but it's releasing to God's plan what has come our way. And knowing then that God's got us and God's got that person and God's got the whole story. So as we go to worship now, do we believe and trust in the goodness of God, even this side of heaven, knowing this world's not our home, but God has our story and he's working it out. And so church, maybe today, there's somebody in your heart that you're ready to forgive and give back to the Lord. Maybe there's something in your story where you're having to say and recognize, yep, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemies. But God's got me, and he will work it out for his glory, and I'm going to follow him and see that come to fruition. All that depends on knowing and believing that God is good and he will be with you and give you life and one day bring us to full restoration. Let's stand and celebrate the goodness of God together.